What's going on, podcasting world? Welcome back to another episode of the Core Consult RX podcast, episode 95. And uh, unfortunately, Cole can't be with us today. He had some family stuff to take care of. But in his stead, I got my buddy, Dr. Swathi, with us today. And uh, she was on the podcast, if you guys remember, probably maybe a year and a half like ago? Two years two ago. Two years ago? Almost, yeah. And so uh, she's been doing some really cool stuff in the meantime, making us all actually look like slackers. So I'm really excited to have you here, Swati. What's going on? Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's so great to be back in Charleston. It's been way too long. <laughs> You're living in that shabby uh, Los Angeles oh, now. So it's, shabby. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm, I'm actually super jealous of that. It's very cool. So, um, you know, last time I talked to you, mm-hmm. you were a student kind of thinking about what the next step was. Mm-hmm. What's kind of been going on since then? So I think I talked to you the previous time when I was just about to start rotations, or I just started rotations. Um, so since then, I had the opportunity to do so many incredible rotations. I ended up doing seven out of my nine rotations out of state. Um, so I really got to curate my schedule and figure out what I really wanted to do. So I got to do specialty pharmacy and everything. But from there, I got to do an integrative health pharmacy uh, rotation. And that was life-changing for me, honestly. Um, I always was interested in nutrition, integrative health, and like looking at the patient as a whole, like holistic wellness in that way. But I didn't know any pharmacist in Charleston, in New Jersey, where I grew up, where I went to college in Minnesota, like anywhere that actually did that. Focused on that. Mm -hmm. I knew people who did that on the side, kind of like a passion project. So I always figured I would get a master's in nutrition or something like that. Um, but then I saw this one pharmacist that I could find that had an appy rotation in LA. And so I asked her if I could come out for a month. So I went out last February and it was amazing for four weeks. I got to do a lot of teaching with her, a lot of mentoring and all of the good, good stuff, like even better than, you know, like what I do now and everything. And so I got to have that experience. And then at the end of the four weeks, I asked her, would you be willing to train me for a year? It's like an apprentice or what should we call it? So we decided to start the first PGY1 Integrative Health Pharmacy Residency Program. Um, so it's yeah. the first in the nation. So you're, the, the you're the, literally the first resident that will be going through this in the history of that program. Mm-hmm. So I'm the first, I guess, first pharmacist that has like formalized, specialized training in integrative health and medical cannabis. That is awesome. So I've had a whole year to devote to that. And so like I spent half my time at an integrative pharmacy um, that's in Santa Monica. And so that's like doing everything from like patient consults to mentoring appy students because we have one to four appy students from all across the planet really (laughs) i feel like they're from all over like right now we have someone from uh, northern california or southern california rather like so not la but outside of la and then we also have someone from buffalo new york um and so people kind of come from all over because they're really interested in learning about integrative health yeah and then even my gosh even apart from that so many people have been contacting me on linkedin like p3s and p4s that are saying, are you guys recruiting? <laughs> or what can I do to learn more about integrative health? So I, I really see a trend and that's so exciting. So I spend half my time there and I spend kind of the other half of the time at an integrative HIV clinic. Okay. Um, so I work with all types of professionals. They actually didn't have a pharmacist there before. Um, so I was the first pharmacist that got to join their team. So I started an MTM program. So I do like a whole comprehensive MTM with like the actual like conventional, you know, RX medications we're used to, whether that's like HIV or, you know, anything else they're on. Um, But then also dietary supplements, other natural products, medical cannabis. And I also get to talk about sleep hygiene and like other things that I think are just so important, but we don't talk about them enough. Like little, little things that just make such an impact. So that's like a brief, brief overview, I guess. Um, But I guess apart from that, I do a lot of teaching too. 
Very um, cool. My RPD and I taught five credits this past semester. <laughs> That's um, awesome. Like brand new classes. So that was a lot more work than I anticipated, but it was really good though. Did you have to like develop the curriculum and oh, all that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I did that with the PA school. Mm-hmm. And oh, it, yeah, when, like, right. when I first kind of like took it on, I was like, how hard could this be? Make some PowerPoint slides. <laughs> I've made PowerPoint. Yeah. You don't really like it's so much work. And in fact, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in the third year of teaching now. Mm-hmm. And I literally have like, I, I feel like I'm just as busy as I was beginning. Like mm-hmm. I stayed up all night last night working on my slides because I had so much to catch up on all the new updates and then making cases. Exactly. And it's like, wow, I have a new respect for my teachers that I totally well, blew even, off before. I know. Well, even if we tried to like create slide decks two or three weeks in advance, stuff would change. Things would change. We'd want to add new things or like research would come out or like the Valsartan thing came out. Mm-hmm. So we want to talk about that in our statins lecture or um, everything with COVID, oh my goodness. So yeah. like things like that, like we added into the infectious disease lecture and like things like that. So it's like feels very, very relevant. That's awesome. What we're doing, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so for those, you know, who aren't familiar with, you know, the kind of the holistic approach mm-hmm. like that, because um, most of us obviously the, in the PharmD world, were pharmacotherapy, the traditional, mm-hmm. you know, some of them weren't even that, but we were, you know, the, our generation was the all pharmacotherapy management. Mm-hmm. You're right. We definitely spent almost nothing, if any, on nutrition and mm-hmm. food and um, all that stuff. I mean, my, cause I do a lot of nutrition counseling myself mm-hmm. because of my, the uh, certified diabetes education type stuff, but oh, I had to learn that mm-hmm. afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not where anywhere near part of my education. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of go through like what that actually means for the people who aren't familiar with it, mm-hmm. kind of walk us through like what that looks like. So integrative health pharmacy, how like I define it, how my RPD and I've kind of like decided how we're going to talk about it is just so many modalities of health that all come together and like integrate into one to help the patient. And it's really centered around patient centered shared decision making. So it's like working with the patient is like, I guess the main like roots of it all, but then all the like little branches and everything that come off of it are like, of course, conventional pharmacotherapy, I think a big misconception of even like students that come out for rotation think that we want to replace RX medications right. with supplements, which is like, oh my goodness, we cannot replace yeah. like a Torvastatin 80 with a supplement. <laughs> red, red yeast rice, right? <laughs> so like things like that where like pharmacotherapy is so important when it's important. But then there are other patients that are like pre-diabetic and they're like, oh, what should I take? And I take a supplement because I'm, my doctor told me in six months, if my A1C doesn't improve, then I'm going to end up on a, you know, I'm going to end up on metformin or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's been really impactful, like in that way, I would say, but it's all types of modalities. Like it's, I mean, like I've learned a lot about herbalism and acupuncture and like essential oils and that whole side, but then there's also like the diet and exercise movement, but also rest and like sleep hygiene, like I mentioned. Um, and then there's also homeopathy, which I've gotten like a total of 0% in all of my didactic curriculum that I can think of. Um, so there's that side and then other dietary supplements and a lot of MTM. Yeah. There's just so many facets of it that all I think are just so important. Like if I think about, I was talking about this earlier today, like the council of responsible nutrition came out with a statistic that's like over 75% of the U.S. population is on at least one supplement. Hmm. And I think that's highly underreported because that's only the people who said that they actually say they're on stuff. (laughs) Um, So I just think it's so important that pharmacists and just other practitioners in general are able to at least like have that conversation or answer simple questions or like some some version of that. Yeah. It is kind of interesting. I mean, we have 
some, I guess, in like self-care type classes mm-hmm. where we cover some of that, but it's like a tidbit. I and feel like, yeah, it's just like, oh, the cake is so important, but it's a little bit of icing on the top. Yeah. It's just not like, it's not enough. And if, not, if nothing else, even just having the knowledge for drug-drug interactions mm-hmm. and like if you had, because that is a huge thing now. Um, I was actually talking to my PA students a couple weeks ago about mm-hmm. when you get a, a kind of a med rack um, with a new patient or your nurse has a med rack, ask them about herbal supplements because they don't consider mm-hmm. the medications a lot of times and a lot of them obviously have drug drug interactions and things like that mm-hmm. we have to watch for mm-hmm. so it is interesting that you're supposed to be the drug expert and yet we get very little and about that it's, i would say it's like so half half some people think like 50 percent, let's say like a practitioner's thing that all herbal supplements are just safe and it doesn't matter so they don't need to ask but then the other 50 percent are like oh my gosh they're gonna interact with everything so mm-hmm. you should just get off all of them or i'm not going to recommend any of them or something like that um, oh wait, and then like overarching with the with, between the two. Oh, overarching between the two is probably that a lot of people think there's not research out there, and that's a huge part of like our learning curve and everything with our students is, you know, let's look look at the research, let's look at the literature that's out there, and let's actually do like journal clubs with frequency. We do journal clubs probably more than other rotations, just because it's so important to show that there actually is really great evidence to show a lot of these. And maybe if there isn't that like extensive evidence that we're used to, we can extrapolate from something that's been done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and that, that's actually one of the things I want to make sure we talked about because mm-hmm. that's, that is definitely the argument against some of that that I see. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I'm guilty of it some t- cases as well, um, as far as saying, well, there's no, that's, so I even just, I was a guest on a podcast talking about essential oils and mm-hmm. I was kind of ripping on some of them a little bit. <laughs> um, but to talk us through like, what are some of the, like, you know, we don't have to obviously go through all of them, cause there's probably mm-hmm. tons, but like, what are some misconceptions that you hear kind of very frequently? Um, misconceptions. So definitely the drug interactions one is really big. And then also just oh, it only works for my friend, it doesn't work for me, kind of a thing. Like, they don't want to try it necessarily because they've heard from someone that they know or someone they work with or something that it doesn't work for them. Mm -hmm. I would say those are two really, really big ones. I think also just an overall misconception that, like, if it's natural, it's not going to hurt you. Or if it's natural, it, like, we don't know anything about it because it's this, like, mysterious herb or something like that. Um, And there is just so much research that I think people are, I don't know, maybe people are just like not sure how to evaluate it or something like that. It's not something that we're really taught to evaluate in the curriculum. So maybe that's something that's like a room for improvement. I, I think we have a hard, like there's a lot of times where people don't know how to evaluate any kind of literature, let mm-hmm. alone something that's not, you know, pushed, you know, in the popularity mm-hmm. area. So, um, yeah, I mean, you talk about, I mean, stats, you could spend an entire four years of college on that. Oh yeah. And so, yeah, I think that's a huge thing. I mean, there's lots of healthcare professionals that have no clue how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, one of the ones, and this is just a random thought I had, so I just want to mm-hmm. get your thoughts on it while you're here. So one of the uh, things that always pops in my mind is because statins are so prevalent, especially in primary care where mm-hmm. I typically work, mm-hmm. um, there's always the argument of whether to use CoQ10 or not. Mm. Um, I completely mm. understand from a theoretical mm-hmm. standpoint of like where that, getting that idea from and how mm-hmm. we, you know, we're replacing the ubiquitin and all that and complex and sure. you know, one through four, all that, you know, cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, however, the, you know, the argument like the, um, American Heart Association stuff says is that there's not any good evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they recommend against it. Um, I've always kind of looked at it if like the patient thinks it helps cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, is there some new evidence out there that shows that it actually is like from like a 
placebo controlled um, situation that it's that it does work or have you seen anything about that at all I just know it's one that people I get asked about all the time oh so I, I get asked about ask. that all the time cool. too in the pharmacy I mean I don't know about placebo control to be 100% honest however though there are patients who come in that have read XYZ thing about it or they've chatted with whomever and they think that they want to try it and in that case it's like a risk benefit kind of ratio and most of the time the benefit just outweighs the risk so if they're super keen and they really want to try it I don't think there's a harm in trying it yeah um, for certain people that are looking for like a certain added benefit, like antioxidant effect kind of a thing is a lot of people associate with CoQ10. So if they're looking for other therapeutic benefits or like impacts, then sure. But I mean, I, I see the benefit, but I also don't think it's like super imperative that everyone yeah. is on it. Who's on a statin. Yeah. I did. I heard somebody, um, talk, that was talking about like functional medicine and mm-hmm. stuff. Like that, and she was saying that literally every single person that's on the statin has got to be on CoQ10. I was like, okay, that seems like a bit of a leap too. Cause I also <laughs> don't think everybody has cardiovascular disease has to be on a statin. Right. So like there's always mm-hmm. an exception. You can't say, Oh, everyone. That's another thing with uh, my RPD and I were talking about nutrient depletions. Yeah. Well, that's another thing is like a lot of people who say that they're on metformin, that they should be on a B12 supplement. And yes, that is over time, but like just because you start metformin doesn't yesterday does not mean you start B12, your B12 tanks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's another like misconception to answer your other question. Is there too much B12 that you can take? Oh, not that I know of. Okay, good. I'm just kidding. My levels are probably through the roof because I <laughs> drink these things all day. Um, so I'm just, I'm just wondering that since I got you. I got I an expert here. I'm like, oh, let me make sure because I tell my patients it's okay to try it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, I agree with that. Like, you know, it's something that I'm kind of actively looking for because a lot of my patients are elderly, been on metformin for mm-hmm. years. Um, so they have start having like signs of neuropathy and things like that. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll usually, I don't even test them for it. I just say, hey, take this B12 supplement and mm-hmm. if it works great and if not, then we'll, then we'll go to the gabapentin or, yeah. you know, Lyrica or something. But exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is, uh, that, I don't think anything in medicine should be everybody. <laughs> like that's, I a hundred percent agree. There's too many variations between yeah. people, which is like another like nerdy interest of mine, which is like pharmacogenomics. And I just think there's so many genomic impacts with like medications, mm-hmm. the actual person themselves, the way that they like metabolize food. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many different ways that genomics play a role that we just don't know yet. Something I was thinking about the other day too, I was talking with our dietitian at um, the work, we just hired a new one and mm-hmm. uh, we were talking about actually like taste and how mm-hmm. that there's just such a genetic, and I, it's something yep. so simple but I never really thought about. Mm-hmm. Like why does broccoli taste delicious to some people and they, other people just hate it mm-hmm. and yet we tell every single person you have to eat it, it's good for you. <laughs> yeah. It's like some people, they literally feel like they're tasting like soap. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Like there's is a genetic component even if something to that. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I, it's, I, I'm very interested in the mm-hmm. pharmacogenomic stuff as well. I think I that's going to be it's, revolutionary. It's going to be huge soon. I think, yeah. especially when it comes to like personalized medicine mm-hmm. and really an individualizing treatment like that for patients. I mean, and even like with certain, like we can even take that to like SSRIs and mm-hmm. everything to see if they're even going to work. Exactly. You like, know I, be... I wish that was Mermaid's day. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, I think when, now that the cost is starting to come down yeah. that more people are going to, I, I just think it's going to take people talking about i think it's just like a whole nother area of medicine that people are like i don't want to learn more stuff mm-hmm. um or it's just like so much extra time or extra effort right. or that kind of a thing or is insurance gonna cover it and all that good, yeah. kind of like washing our hands was back in the uh <laughs> you know, 1700s and we didn't think that was necessary <laughs> yep i i think it's gonna be interesting to see if this plays out but i'm i'm pretty convinced that there's gonna be a time like maybe 20 years from now we'll mm-hmm. you know our generation will be sitting around going you guys remember we used to use journals that <laughs> used to use statistics and lumped everybody together and mm-hmm. we just extrapolated that instead of just individualizing everything mm-hmm. that's gonna be like a joke oh, 20 years down the road yeah. for sure 
I'm putting that on the record now. Mm-hmm. But um, okay, so you just mentioned um, the other big buzzword right now, which I'm super glad you're bringing up because we've I've wanted to talk about this forever, but mm-hmm. I want to make sure we had an expert, not somebody like me who just read a couple things about it. Um, medical cannabis mm-hmm. that is like a very hot subject right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did you kind of get into that aspect of it? Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of started very organically, I guess, like wordplay intended. Um, so we, so my RPD and I had an interest in it. We knew that it was like very pharmacologically interesting, but we didn't know much about it to start. We just kind of learning, we just started like learning more and more and networking with a lot of really great people on LinkedIn who are like the prime dogs, in my opinion, that are in that entire space. Um, so we just had an opportunity to really learn from a lot of them and a lot of resources that they recommended. Um, and then it kind of just spawned from there. So initially we started the residency wanting to focus on nutrition, pharmacogenomics, and medical cannabis. And then of course, just mattering of like leadership and entrepreneurship, because that's our interest. But yeah, just a couple more subjects to yep. cover. This is like the most elaborate residency I've ever heard about. It's <laughs> we awesome. had a lot of ideas started. <laughs> just went with all of them. I love it. It we sounds like the best residency of all time. You ended up starting and like ending with pretty much everything that we really, really wanted to do, which is exciting. I love it. I absolutely love it. That's awesome. Um, and so with the medical cannabis part, we thought it would be a third or a quarter or something of the rotation or the, of the, like the, the span of the year. But the way it's all played out really interestingly is like the demand for how much people want to learn about medical cannabis. And by people, I mean like practitioners, yeah, absolutely. patients, caregivers, like you name it. And they all want to learn about it. And they all like don't really know where to turn. Um, so like being able to be that person, like the educational, I guess, like face of that um, has been a really great experience. And like through people asking questions, I've got to learn more. So I feel like over time I've like grown my knowledge base. And it's like if you're interested in like pharmacology at all, it's so amazing to nerd out on. <laughs> Just because the, the cannabis plant has so many facets of it. We could talk about constituents we could talk about drug interactions we talk about terpenes like there are just so many things so so drug interactions like Mm -hmm. that's the big one is you know is there you know is there drug interactions is Mm -hmm. one of the big questions i've always heard Mm -hmm. um so what is some of the things that you kind of pop in your head like right off the bat with that Mm -hmm. yeah so cbd is metabolized primarily by 3a4 but also golly i get it confused i think it's 2c19 yes so cbd and 2c19 are the two that were like very that primarily metabolize cbd um, but then if we're looking at THC, it's primarily metabolized by 3A4 and 2C9, but also a few other um, CYP enzymes as well. So I guess if we're looking at those specific enzymes, we want to look at the other drugs that impact or are metabolized by those enzymes. So that's something to be aware of. However, a lot of the, like, a lot of the clinical trials and everything that have been done, the doses are like 200 and 300 milligrams, which the average person who's taking CBD or THC, even like for therapeutic benefit are right. not taking that much. Unless you want to talk to dolphins, you don't need 300 milligrams. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the research is based on that. So, I mean, and they did find like, yes, there were certain medications you shouldn't take that are, you know, metabolized or impacted by those SIPs. So I, I go back and forth on it. If someone comes in taking warfarin, then I'm not super passionate about like recommending marijuana or like CBD in particular. But um, apart from that, I just I think that more research needs to come out, but I do think it's something that practitioners should know. Absolutely, that that's how it's metabolized. It's not just like going through some like random channels that we don't know about or something like that. The, yeah. the studies that have been done looking at drug drug interactions is it mm-hmm. um, the, the cannabis studies that are done doing that is it smoking mm-hmm. or consuming like edibles or what are they normally looking at both? 
Um, as far as I know, I know there's quite a few about smoking. I'm not sure about the ingestibles or not. Because that's metabolized um, in a different route, right? Because that would be more on the liver side originally with the first pass metabolism. So you should get mm -hmm. some different, more psychoactive like metabolites in those mm -hmm. cases. Potentially, um, it's just yeah. Psychoactive is also a super interesting term. Yeah, so, and, and I'm like, using again buzzwords because yeah. I'm stupid, but um, you know what I mean. Because I yeah. and I'm by no means saying that you know I'm definitely not someone that's against the idea of it. So mm -hmm. um, you, as far as you know, you get a slightly different effect potentially from eating it versus I guess smoking and like how much you end up metabolizing right. from it because ingesting it you really don't get that much yeah. out of that just because of the way it goes through your entire GI and everything so yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just very different and then topically people worry about drug interactions but I mean it's topical yeah, it's, it's topical it's not systemic yeah, yeah, absorption yeah. yeah so it's like different things like that too so when people ask about drug interactions it's so like multifaceted and then also like what ratio are they ingesting or what mm. ratio are they consuming because I mean, if it's like a four to one of CBD to THC, maybe we're not as worried as like a one to one or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you know, where you're living, obviously, recreational use is legal and everything. Mm -hmm. So are you, what, are you, are people even using CBD oil out in California? That's still so much. <laughs> what, why, what's the thought process there? Um, I honestly think it's a media buzz. Gotcha. So mm -hmm. they just think that one's a drug, one's medicine. Oh, versus I mean, both and, and so much of the marketing is like CBD is just like a dietary supplement which I think can be dangerous depending on what medications they're on, the right. other like disease states that they're diagnosed with and all of that. Of course, it's individualized, as we said. But I mean, yeah, it, it, it very much depends. I just think a lot of people think that CBD is completely harmless. I, I've always assumed that because CBD is huge here in South Carolina because mm -hmm. we don't have legal or medical use marijuana here. Mm -hmm. And so I've always just assumed that the second it gets legalized, CBD businesses are just shutting down, going out of business, but apparently not. Um, I don't know if they'll go out of business. I just think they'll have a lot more competition with other companies that are not just only doing CBD. Yeah. I know there are even other companies that are doing CBD with like other botanicals, which mm -hmm. is just so interesting because all the cannabimimetics and everything. So other, you know, botanicals or other substances or foods that are other foods that like work right on the like CB1 or CB2 receptors. So that kind of a thing too that can impact the endocannabinoid system besides the cannabinoids that we're used to talking about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And we were talking before we started recording, you know, one of the things that I'm just glad about, because regardless of where you stand, whether it's, you know, personally or mm -hmm. politically, whatever you want to talk, call it like on, you know, cannabis use, like the big thing that I'm excited about is the fact that we can research it now. Mm -hmm. Like we have all these other like schedule two controlled substances that are no problem. I mean, you know, you're just regulated, but no problem to study mm -hmm. versus something like cannabis. You can't even, mm -hmm. you have to go through all these hoops to study. It's like, if nothing else, can we at least give it to the scientists and let them do what they do? And because exactly. there's, there's absolutely been proven that there's medical benefit to it. Mm -hmm. So why would we not want to study that? And there's now they're starting to find, um, like you're using, uh, the um like mushrooms with mm -hmm. uh C um PTSD mm -hmm. patients and all, all some of that like that, that it's like we're just now doing this? Like how mm -hmm. long have we known about these and we're just now using them in psych treatments? Well and there are other countries that are so far ahead of us. Like Canada's been doing psilocybin research yeah. for like forever. Israel is like the prime location if you're looking for like cannabis research and everything. So other countries have been ahead of that. But I mean, overall, I'm like really hoping for the decriminalization of, of exactly what you just mentioned. So the psilocybin and mm -hmm. the, and well, marijuana overall, just because the, there's so much therapeutic potential we just don't know about. And I mean, in other countries, Europe and I think Sweden, so they mm -hmm. use even like DMT clinics they and do. things like mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've published like good results. I mean, mm -hmm. 
compared to what, you know, we, we have limited options. I mean, like, why would we not, especially under medical supervision? I get, mm-hmm. like, you don't want your kids running around doing DMT and, you know, or, <laughs> you know, doing toad, toad medicine or something. But, mm-hmm. like, you know, the under scientific watch and medical, like, mm-hmm. to me, like, why would we not explore every option? Exactly. It's, I mean, particularly if something is, like, more cost effective or easily, like, more easy to access. Like, there's so many other, like, facets of just looking at one substance like mm-hmm. once it actually hits the market there's so many other things so right. if there was some way we could also like decrease cost with that too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um what's the other one i was um, talking i was hearing about mdma um, mdma and then there's mm-hmm. also um, ibogaine for uh mm-hmm. like opioid yeah um withdrawal and like mm-hmm. trying to get them off of that i've heard ibogaine clinics that you know have had some success i mean yeah. obviously that there's other issues and stuff like that but like even microdosing and mm-hmm. things like that there's been I'm like, there's just so much, it's like a whole, I've started reading up on some of the, uh, just the organic chemistry behind mm-hmm. it. I'm like, it's becoming very fascinating because there's this whole world of science that I feel like has never even been remotely talked about. And microdosing even with cannabis too, it's like yeah. a huge new area. So, and mm-hmm. yeah, I think one of the things that it, for me, I love science. So for mm-hmm. me, I'm not saying that I want to research this stuff just so I can do D- DMT <laughs> all day long. I, I mm-hmm. from a, but from a truly scientific, yep. you know, we can study fluoxetine too. It doesn't mean I take it. Exactly. And that's the mm-hmm. thing that I want. Like I want to see how it affects the brain and like mm-hmm. what's going on. I mean, we see these crazy, especially with something like DMT, where you're getting these mm-hmm. crazy, you know, psychoactive event and like what's going on there? How's that working? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that stuff's awesome. Like it, it really is, and yeah. just like. I mean, if we're going back to cannabis too, just the way yeah, that... Yeah, sorry, I'm way off topic. <laughs> no, that's fine, no, that's fine. Just the way that like so many other systems and elements and so many other things can impact the endocannabinoid system is just so, so important. Like it's so tied to so many other organ systems. So if we can enhance our endocannabinoid tone is technically what it's called, um, then we can enhance so many other of our organ systems. So I just think it's like just underlying to so many things. If we think of like an umbrella... And then all the like little rain droplets are all like the other, you know, organ systems. But I really feel like the ECS is just like so tied to so many of them. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. cool. That's a good analogy. I like that. <laughs> yeah. And I, like you said, I, like I just don't think the, the, in the PharmD curriculum or really any other you know, MD mm-hmm. curriculum, we just never even mentioned. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, it's common. Medical cannabis. If they have epilepsy, we'll talk about it later. And it's like, <laughs> or like one slide on epidemic. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I feel like that's mm-hmm. going to be, I feel like our generation of healthcare prefer, like doesn't have the same stigma around it. Mm-hmm. So we're at least going to like let science kind of run its course on it. And, and then so, slowly but surely there are like certain MD programs, certain PharmD programs that are integrating, whether it's the endocannabinoid system and into a few lectures or mm-hmm. they're like starting their own elective courses. Yeah. So UCSD is starting their own elective course, which is so exciting. And it's so a full my, course by itself? A full elective course That's all on awesome. like medicinal cannabis and pharmacology, I believe it's called. And so my RPD and I were asked to be a guest lecturer. So we'll be guest lecturing in like late May. So you guys are like rock stars. <laughs> That's this awesome. I love it. I mean, because you, you kind of like came up with this idea and then like because mm-hmm. I, I mean i've heard you in you know when we had beiju with us mm-hmm. and stuff and talking about it but like to see it actually happen you'd be like the first one to get a residency <laughs> that's awesome man i'm so pumped for you oh thanks yeah I'm, I'm having a really good time i feel like it's <laughs> awesome um so you know as far as like kind of that development how did you go about getting like the residency like accredited can mm-hmm. you talk us through that a little bit because i'm actually yeah. fascinated on that part mm-hmm. of it myself so the residency is not accredited gotcha okay um and so like we look through the accreditation all the paperwork and all like the requirements and a lot of the things and a lot of goals we had didn't really necessarily align 
um, with exactly the specific requirements, like hourly requirements and all of those things. Um, but I mean, we are very interested in research, so I'm supposed to be showing a research poster at the Cannabis Science you know, conference, but that just Thanks got a lot, postponed. Um, um, literally today I got the email. It just got oh, postponed, so it's so disappointing. That but, sucks. Um, I'm sorry. So, I mean, but like apart from like that kind of stuff, I mean... We, we really looked into it and maybe that's something for the future if we end up like partnering with a university or something like that um, because there's so much benefit from partnering with a university with like of course the name and of course the funding but also like all the other contacts and people who are who know so much about what we're trying to do from like a periphery standpoint mm-hmm. um, so that would be really really great I'm hoping for the future that that's something for the residency I, I almost think like and this is more because I just again like to go back two years from now and see if I was ever writer you know when we were talking but <laughs> I almost think that, like, I like that you guys are kind of going against the grain and not, because mm-hmm. anytime I feel like there's some governing body that gives you this set way of doing things, mm-hmm. especially with you guys are revolutionizing, like, a space, mm-hmm. you know, you, how are you supposed to take that and you have to end up twisting it to fit the structure versus mm-hmm. you adapting it to do what you want to do and letting the structure fit you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I almost think that's cool. And, you know, I didn't do the traditional route either. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was told I was never going to be an MK pharmacist <laughs> kind of thing. And, you know, and then after I got board certified and BCPS and all that stuff like mm-hmm. that, and I'm, people are like, oh, wait, what, you know, you, wait, how did you do that without red? And I'm like, because there is more than one path. You don't have to exactly. follow the exact. And I mean, if someone told me I was going to do residency in, right? Yeah, in I remember. You were school, like, no like, shot. No. No, not yeah. a chance. Because I always thought of residency as like something in the hospital or mm-hmm. something in the community setting. And I guess I have like a variation of both of those. Um, but it's just so completely different because it's just specialized in something I'm actually like super interested Which in. Which makes yeah. those long hours so much better. Oh, when, yeah. And like six or seven day weeks are fine. Yeah. Because you're, you're doing what yeah, you love. exactly. Same kind of thing with like this. Like mm-hmm. I like people will ask me like, oh, you know, you're going to burn out from. I'm like, <laughs> no, because even if I'm tired, I mean, I'm tired from work today, but I, I'm also really looking forward jump on the podcast because mm-hmm. this doesn't seem like even though it's all medical based it's not mm-hmm. like i'm at work and like you know at my desk mm-hmm. yeah so that's cool um i think I, i'm glad that we're talking about this too because i feel like there's a lot of students and i've been getting a lot of questions about this too mm-hmm. i don't know i'm sure you get hit up like crazy mm-hmm. um the the amount of students that always come up and because they, they've been told there's this one way and if you don't do it this oh, way yeah. you're never going to amount to anything mm-hmm. and so they're like well wait a minute how did you kind of start all this stuff and you didn't do that path mm-hmm. like more people need to talk about it and I'm actually talking at MUSC um, so that's my alma mater for those yeah. who don't know um, so I'll be well, talking uh, yeah I'll be talking at MUSC um, on Monday evening what time um, at five p.m. okay for students. We're, I'm hoping uh, a lot of students will come. Yeah. Um, it's in BEB. So okay. BEB went on. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to try to get out and come yeah, watch that. Come. So I'm really excited. And it's pretty much like about my path, but then also like tips and tricks and then, you know, networking and like everything that's gotten me to where I am now. And like, I feel like I'm finally at the point where I can like give advice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And, you know, that's the, we actually touched on this, I feel like, last time you were here. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were kind of talking because I think we, you and I both share the philosophy of like, conferences and stuff they're great mm-hmm. they they have their place but the as far as that's the sole place you need to go to network is insanity in this day and age that's this way too much pressure you're putting on yourself for a three-day conference right that's way, way and what if you're much. like an <laughs> introvert like it's mm-hmm. one thing if you can just like jump out like i can usually talk to people pretty easily but mm-hmm. like there's lots of people who don't feel like that so now they have yeah. all this pressure or like, to try to like act like, like this fake people i want to meet in three days it's yeah. just not plausible so there has to be other like routes for that yeah mm-hmm. i gave a yep. i gave a talk at um usc in columbia mm-hmm. and uh they, it was at the kennedy center and they were basically um 
I kind of hesitantly like was was basically telling them, look, I'm proud of you guys for coming to this conference on a Saturday. Like, I think it's mm-hmm. awesome you're interested in this. But realistically, mm-hmm. every single person in this chair, my phone my phone number is on Instagram. Like, mm-hmm. you could have just texted me today, and yep. I would have answered your question personally. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, yep. the, it's just a different world, and mm-hmm. I feel like we're still teaching it the is. same way. And, mm-hmm. and and not that that's wrong. It still has its place. Mm-hmm. Just like mm-hmm. journal articles have their. I mean, like you know hard copy journals have their place. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's just like, it's just the fact that we don't even mention the other stuff in a mm-hmm. lot of times in academia. It's like, and it's like so many things that like, we don't need to replace other part of the right. curriculum. We just need to add, add a little to it. bit. Yeah. Or like, even if it's like a, I don't know, like a monthly lecture or like mm-hmm. something like that from someone who comes from a more unconventional space, who's doing something they're excited about, but they're also making like some sort of impact on whatever population they're trying to serve. So like something like that even. Yeah. So not really like even adding any credits or like yeah. making it too complicated. And that only, I mean, honestly, that's kind of what I like about like this format. Cause mm-hmm. like, you know, we're talking over 30 minutes mm-hmm. already and yeah, you're not going to get credit for this, but like we can, you know, no one's going to, we don't have to check with anybody. We don't have to meet with anybody mm-hmm. to get permission to talk about like you just, and it's free. Like I actually met with a student from mm-hmm. USC yesterday about okay. starting her podcast oh, and I'm like, she's a P1. So she, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I want to, <laughs> I'm like, do it. Like, what? like, are you kidding me? Like this is Imposter the time. Imposter syndrome is so real. Though. Yeah. Like it's so real. And people are so worried about like, well, what mm-hmm. if I don't look like I know then, then admit that you don't. You know how many times mm-hmm. I tell people on this podcast how stupid I am like <laughs> like I, I'm like if you don't know something admit it like you don't have to fake it, it till you make it you seem so much more like relatable and right. human because everyone feels that way exactly at some point. yeah I've definitely learned that the hard way I think <laughs> so um are you guys doing anything like as far as you, you know taking what you've learned and kind of mm-hmm. putting it out there like what kind of like resources do you guys have available for other people to kind of learn and stuff um so actually it's funny you asked that so um my RPD and I want to continue working together after this year so of course the residency is only a year I end in June sad but um and then after that we still want to continue work together and I'm going to be in the LA area after and so we decided that we're going to start like an LLC on the side we've already like started doing a lot of the paper we have the name it's called farm supplement Mm -hmm. super excited about it um and so we really just want to put together a lot of online courses and materials and resources for people to just have at their disposal mainly practitioners um and students as well just because we get so many questions Mm -hmm. from practitioners whether that's like pharmacists mds nurses pas but also patients And so if there was some way we like started pooling all the questions and realizing that we should just create online courses so that people can just access those and have access to them as long as they want, as long as they, you know, they pay some, you know, nominal Mm -hmm. fee, um, and just be there as that resource. And of course, like I'm really interested in drug information. So Mm -hmm. I'd love to do also like on demand drug information. So if people had any questions, I could like look things up for them. Partner with Amazon, Mm -hmm. be on the Alexa whenever somebody asks for you. That would be awesome. I would love that. So like something like that, but also that'll be like on the side, but it's mainly like creating opportunities for people to learn about things that like students are constantly asking me about finding me on LinkedIn and asking me and then also other like practitioners there are other like PGY1 residents have reached out to me but then also other practitioners that are three or four years out that are like I'm in this job I'm not super excited about it but I think nutrition is really important and like how are you doing what you're doing and so that can be answered in like an online course and potentially drug information questions. And I like making infographics too. So I've been like putting out some of those on LinkedIn too. So it's like a combination of any like way of educating people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, is LinkedIn your primary like social media? You, play, you do stuff on Instagram or Facebook or any of those other ones? 
Facebook, not really. <laughs> yeah, the, the, I mean, um. Facebook for me, I feel like the only people that follow my Facebook, I leave it on there for like my 40 to 7 year old population. Mm-hmm. I just leave my stuff on there. And usually it's just because I repost it from Instagram. Sure, yeah. But um, I, LinkedIn is really exploding. Oh, LinkedIn's my number one. But then I do see the benefit of being on Instagram. There are mm-hmm. certain, you know, like demographics that are very much still into that. So I try to like rephrase or something, something that I put on LinkedIn for Instagram. But LinkedIn is my primary go-to. I just think networking on there is just so important. So easy. And that's like a big part of what I'm talking about on Monday too. Yeah. It's just, you never know who you're going to meet. You never know who you're going to interact with. You don't know who they know, Mm -hmm. which is so important. And so just literally sending out a message saying, hey, what you're doing seems super interesting. Do you want to chat? People either don't respond, Mm -hmm. totally fine. Or they say, oh my gosh, yes, let's talk because people love talking about themselves. Right. That's so, a good point. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> tell me one, about yourself. And yeah, then people are like, I don't mind if I do. Let me tell you my whole career. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm <it's>, awesome. <laughs> so it's, it's literally one or the other. Yeah. So if they don't respond, okay, fine. But if they do, you're going to get some like incredible talk. And even if it's like one little bit that you can write down in your journal, like I started keeping like a networking journal kind of a thing and keeping like one line, even from a half an hour call is a benefit. And you never know if you connect with them on LinkedIn, the other suggestions that you'll get on LinkedIn. Yeah, which that's is true. huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have a lot of organic reach now because they really they're do. trying to like their algorithms are on point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Good job, LinkedIn. Because mm-hmm. there was a while there that they were kind of like, mm. mm-hmm. and I and I yeah. actually, I remember telling even like Beijing, mm-hmm. I was like, I don't really mess with LinkedIn that much. Yeah. But now I literally I get between ten and twenty like requests to you know whatever they call it you know mm-hmm. um, link up whatever yeah um a day and mm-hmm. i'm like what is going on like it's explained i'm even bad barely i'm actually trying to now look and see how i can use it more because mm-hmm. i was so you know kind of on the back burner with mm-hmm. linkedin yeah um and, and instagram is really my main one that i have mm-hmm. all my followers on but mm-hmm. i'm like oh what am i doing i need to like now i need to find a different way to contextualize my content and make it more Mm -hmm. the professional, you know, Mm -hmm. version of it on LinkedIn and push it that way. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as like reaching out to people on LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. um, one thing that I've always encouraged students to do is to like not just copy paste. Mm-hmm. Like yep. give them context to that person so they know that mm-hmm. you're not a robot. Right. Or like definitely don't use the thing that gives you the different font of the <laughs> name and like yeah. all that robot nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, do you agree with that? Like you think it should be something they should really like spend the five to ten minutes and write them an actual... Oh, yeah. I think that... Um, I think the skeleton can be the same. Mm-hmm. Like, hi, my name is Blonde. I'm a student at wherever. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then end it with like best regards kind of a thing. But I think in between you should say something more specific about like, hey, I looked into your company and I'm interested interested in XYZ that like pertain to the company, there should be something that kind of signals that like you actually looked into what they're Mm -hmm. interested in. So that gives them a reason to actually want to talk to you. Cause I mean, probably the people you're messaging are very busy, important people. Um, and so they have to have like a reason to go out of their way to really talk to you. Um, but I think that overall it's like the same skeleton, but maybe you change two sentences mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause I, kn- I know I can always tell the ones that literally have copied, like, and it's usually the financial aid people, like the ones that want to manage my money for me. Yeah. yeah I so I get them and they're like, Hey man, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, they're my best friend and I can tell it's like the same spiel they give everybody. I'm like, oh, yeah. dude, you don't know anything about what I do. Give me your email here yeah. and I'll send you all this Yeah, let's chat on the phone. Oh, um, totally. Let me give you my <laughs> money. That sounds like a good use of my time mm-hmm. versus like the one like, and I can always tell the difference between those and like the students who are reaching out to yeah. me because it's like mm-hmm. they're like oh wait follow your podcast and yeah. like it's like, I'm like oh, this is a real person mm-hmm. um so yeah that makes a huge difference to me of whether i'm going to spend my time writing that person back 
back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that's cool too. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, what kind of stuff do you, you know, when you were kind of building your LinkedIn mm-hmm. profile, we're going way off topic, but that's fine. <laughs> um, like when you're building your LinkedIn, what kind of stuff did you start kind of putting on there? Like what did you look to kind of build that presence on there? Um, I think, I think not being afraid to post on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. I always thought like, oh my gosh, the people I'm connected with are so incredible for so many reasons. That's a good point. Um just not feeling comfortable initially with just posting like what I was doing. Like I went and saw Gary Vee and I was like, should I post about this? I don't know. And I'm then I decided to so just jealous right now. go you for it. can't even <laughs> imagine that you have to hang out with him, watch him. Oh, I wish I hung out with him. But yeah, no, I, I got to see him. And so I was like, do I post something? Do I not? And so that was kind of like the start of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course he's a great inspiration for that too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then from there, it was just going through and being like, what am I doing that's like could be important? Mm -hmm. or interesting, or something to someone else. And I think we also get really caught up in our minds, and we forget that some things that we do on the daily are actually something that's like going to be really impactful, or or even just interesting to someone else. Um, So that I've had to like really stand back and think about that my RPD is amazing about this stuff. Like, think about like how other people would look at you Mm -hmm. from the outside. And then that's helped me like put things out, and like post a little more frequently and everything. And Um, for me, a lot of it has come from like content creation, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, I really like to write. So I write for online publications. I also write like my own articles too and post them on LinkedIn and that's really helped with traction. And I think also with people like taking me, I guess, like a little more seriously and giving me a little more confidence that I'm putting out like articles that I'm reading, whether that's like analyzing primary literature, like market trends, which is like a nerdy interest of mine mm-hmm. um so like you if have I'm, a lot of awesome interests by the way it's like i'm every time I, I i thought i was doing a lot and now i'm talking to you and i'm like i need to step up my game maybe i have too many big time no it's awesome i love it um so like just writing about certain things like that and then posting them and then like i recently did an article on cbd and consumer preference and i was working with a company who gave me like really really cool like confidential data that they had um gone through and like tabulate and they wanted me to analyze it with other you know, sources. And so I wrote that. And then from that, I've gotten so much response of people just saying, Oh, this is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, can we talk further about it? Or can we talk about what you're doing or just like practitioners that are interested? So I would say, don't be afraid to like create content, but also don't be afraid to just like post something like you attended this conference. Here's yeah. a photo of me with my poster. Like yeah. that's, you should do that. Like I, I'll quote Gary Vee since we brought him mm-hmm. up, but like the whole document over creating. Mm-hmm. Um, if you yeah. get stuck in that hole, what do I actually make? Mm-hmm. Document your your like process yeah. of I'm a P1. I have no clue what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I'm drowning right now in school. Because three years from now, you're going to be talking to another P1 who mm-hmm. you've already made it through, and now they're going through that, and then they can watch your stuff. And I mean, initially, I, I heard Gary. I was like, that sounds scary. Mm-hmm. I don't know about this. Yeah. You just kind of have to bite the bullet and go yeah, for and it. And then, it. And then it's fine. You, you just have to go through like that first one or two posts. You're like, oh, I don't know what I'm you're doing. Like, oh, no. <laughs> and, and also, like you said, like not caring about the whole. Because mm-hmm. I still get, you know, there, I had somebody just crap all over my uh, podcast not mm-hmm. like too long ago. And they were like, this is the worst thing ever. You're like, you must be such a moron. Thank you for your opinion. I Mike. was like, man, you, why are you so angry? <laughs> like, like, why did you have a really bad day? I'm sorry. Like, geez. Mm-hmm. But like, that's the kind of stuff that I think really people are worried about. And then in mm-hmm. reality, it's like the amount of good that you'll get from that versus the couple people mm-hmm. that are just having a bad life. Um, mm-hmm. It's just crazy. Yeah. It, it literally took me, I was actually just talking to a student about this yesterday. It took me probably two months mm-hmm. to make my first like 
which was the worst quality video you've ever seen in your life. I did it on GOP ones mm -hmm. for um, diabetes, mm -hmm. and uh, I was like analyzing some of the data and stuff like that. And it's maybe a seven minute video, mm -hmm. ten minute video. It took me two months to make that stupid thing because I just kept <laughs> I kept editing everything. I'd say um and be like oh no, oh, and like. And then it just finally dawned on me. I'm like, well, I do say, um, I know I'm not supposed to, but if but I go like to a human Sam, right. <laughs> and if I go to a conference and all of a sudden I start talking, they're like, who is this idiot compared to the guy we hear in the podcast? That's why mm -hmm. me and Cole decided not to edit anything. Yeah. Cause I'm like, which years, which give you don't like it. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, thanks for giving it a shot. But it's like, I didn't want it to be like this fake, you know, new England journal of medicine style where you just kind of read off the slide. Mm -hmm. I can tell the guy sitting there reading and it's like, yeah. Dude, I don't want to listen to that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I like, so do you post, um, like pretty much every day on LinkedIn, like some kind no, of, I, I do not post that often. I post like when I'm recently on a podcast, mm -hmm. I'll share it for uh, my network. Or if I recently write an article that's been published in some location, um, then I'll post it. Or like I just presented today at the conference. So I'll probably post something about that. So only if like, I think things like I, there are certain people on LinkedIn who post too much in mm -hmm. my opinion. And so I don't want to be to the point where people are just seeing my name and the keep, they keep scrolling. Right, Cause right, I find right. myself doing that. Yeah. Um, so I want to post, I, I try to shoot for like every week or mm -hmm. like something every 10 days, like something that I think that I want to share. And that I, I think there's value in sharing. Yeah. yeah. And especially mm -hmm. if you're writing a whole article, that's not something you're going to do every day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that makes mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Um, you guys do have, um, for your website and stuff, your website looks awesome, by the way. I clicked on it earlier. Um, but uh, you guys do use, uh, like, have an Instagram page and stuff for that as well, right? For Farm Supplement yeah. or for my personal website? You, uh, you know, you're, you're for Farm Supplement. For Farm Supplement, we do have a website and everything, yes. But we don't have, like, a super active Instagram at yeah, this I, moment, no. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's all good. Start somewhere. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, that's cool, though. Um, but uh, and we'll, I'll get, like, a copy of like all that stuff and they'll mm -hmm. put it in the show notes so oh, people cool, who are looking yeah. for it we can make sure we mm -hmm. put it out there yeah, we're trying to like really build out our newsletter right now so that we can start sending out more resources via email and then like update people with online courses so that's kind of our like current game plan but i think we're really going to ramp everything up once residency's done residency's done just because there's a lot going on so yeah, once yeah. that's done then i think we'll really start like on the whole game path for that so mm -hmm. are you thinking like down the road like maybe making your own like board certification for like Hmm. this kind of uh, path that you're on? I have a lot of mixed feelings about that because for a while I really, really thought that that was my route. Mm -hmm. But now I kind of think that it's important that everyone should know about natural medicines to some capacity um, and integrate that into their like scope of practice, mm -hmm. so to speak, um, and be comfortable with integrating it. And so I don't want it to seem like this you know, overbearing yeah. thing where you have to get a certification. I would love it if people just had access to that information. No, that's cool. That's awesome. So I've that ex that like um mentality has definitely evolved yeah over time oh, that's yeah. very cool it makes mm -hmm. sense so um as far as like the residency itself once mm -hmm. you're done like what's next like who's coming on board have you guys had anybody match that um, match day's tomorrow isn't it um so it's not technically match because matches with the accredited oh yeah yeah, yeah. Duh, duh. um but we have had so much interest it's just my rpd is a new grandma <laughs> and so she's kind of focusing on that a little bit for this year um but we're ta we're in the process of talking to some programs and some schools and things to collaborate. So we're not recruiting. We're not going to start anyone in like July. Say we like I'm a part of it, but my RPD is not going to start with anyone in July. Um, but then after that, she wants to start recruiting again. Are you gonna, mm -hmm. is she gonna, did she plan on doing like just one uh, person at a time or is she going to do multiple? I mean, I think she would love to have more than yeah. one at a time. That'd be but, cool. Um, 
Yeah, I think for now, one is great. Just because we have such an active appy program mm -hmm. that, like, right now we have two students, but, like, I mean, a few months ago we had, like, three students. We actually will know that's like We have two students now, but we also have two students that are doing what's called an, an advanced elective. And so they're doing a clinical research project with an IRB and everything. And they chose our site to do a project, like a survey. And so we're helping lead up their projects. We actually have four students plus me. So it's quite a lot of Oof, people. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> um, so I, I think she would love to have more than one resident, but just like feasibility with location, perhaps it's not an option unless she starts taking less happy students. I got gotcha. Which I know I don't think she wants to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she loves having happy students. The happy students is, is definitely cool. Mm -hmm. um, so as far as like, you know, are you going to be involved with the residency program going forward? Are you going to be working on your own projects on the side? What do you want to do? Um, so I would love to be a part of the residency. I've like voiced that to my RPD. So I hope I'm a part of it, whether even if that's just like with recruiting. Mm -hmm. I just like love this process. And I think it's so important that students learn whether or not they want to specialize in it. I just think it's really important that students learn about natural medicines. Um, but... I actually just signed a job, like contract. What? <laughs> yeah, Exclusive earlier this week. We're dropping the news on yeah. you. I like it. <laughs> it's new news, yeah. Um, and so that will be starting right after residency. Can you say like what it is or like what kind I of job can. it is? Okay, that's fine. Yeah, no, I, I can tell a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so I'll be working for a new company that is right based out of, in the LA metro area. Okay. Um, and so I will be kind of heading up their entire pharmacy services department. And so it's going to be like a showcase of various cannabis products. Um, but they want to have a focus section on medical cannabis. Mm -hmm. And so I'll be heading up that entire like facility from like choosing the counters to the inventory to the humans who work there to like all the like, the protocols and training and like all of that. So I'm just going to like start it from the ground up and I'm so excited. That is awesome. <laughs> You've been a PharmD for one year, right? Not even? Almost one year. That, Almost okay. <laughs> so like I was saying earlier, like I, I'm up until this moment, I was pretty happy with my, where I've gone. <laughs> now I realize that it's time to really step up my game because Swati, you're killing it. <laughs> like that's crazy. And I mean, I got this job though because of networking on LinkedIn. That's awesome. You hear that, kids? Freaking like that's go network why, like, on social media. I mean, I've said that for so long that like networking is so important via LinkedIn, but I feel like I actually have concrete like evidence mm -hmm. now. That it worked for me, and I found a job that I'm so excited about. That is awesome. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, that's that to me is the future. Because then mm -hmm. now, as you get that program started, like I feel like that's gonna be they're gonna be coming to you now, wanting to come train with you, just like back in the day, they want to come to a university because they want to do research. Oh, and then we could have an appy program, right? We could have students come. It'd be amazing. Yeah. My my goal mm -hmm. eventually with the core console stuff is to mm -hmm. grow it enough to where I can actually get like a like a rental condo, rental house, mm -hmm. so I can have like eight or nine students from different areas come right. in um, and have like a dorm room, like a core console dorm room, mm -hmm. like, like decked out so people can come in from like oh, each month. they could month. do like journal clubs every yeah. day. And like, like just oh, nerd out. Mm -hmm. I have to be like a special, like you're like, listen, you got to be a nerd to come to dissertation because <laughs> we're going to be doing a lot of nonsense. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I think Good that, nonsense, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, I'm, yeah, that's awesome. I'm super happy for oh, you. thanks. <laughs> so, um, so what else? Um, anything else you... Um, interesting that you can think of you want to make sure we talk about um i know i've just took you all over the place i should have had like some kind of an outline you know oh, how I, I get um real quick i do there's a question on instagram Ooh, okay. um somebody is saying that they're interested in uh, academic pharmacy as a career Ooh, cool. um do you suggest a residency route currently working mm -hmm. as retail um thanks so mm -hmm. um uh, username BPN 53 <laughs> so i'm not trying to not pronounce your name but i don't know what that is um so to give you my personal thoughts on that um in academia i would definitely suggest doing the residency route mm -hmm. um unless you can 
find a way to like, if you're not going to do residency, I would get very comfortable with the idea of like the next three years or four years after you graduate, mm-hmm. every second of your free time needs to be spent volunteering in academia. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, learning more and getting certifications and really like building out your CV in that way. Absolutely. Doing research and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I, li- I literally from 2015 when I graduated, 2018, um, I spent all of my free time, I mean, literally all my, my wife was like thinking I was going crazy, um, mm-hmm. volunteering and, and helping with like P1 lab. Yeah. Any... Mm-hmm. Teaching, you know, is much different than giving, and I'm still by no means a good teacher, but um, teaching is so much different than just giving a talk or a journal club. Like sure. running a class, right, mm-hmm. is like, like holy crap, this is not as easy as it looks. It takes a lot. I mean, I've been doing it for three years now. Mm-hmm. You know, I teach a t- three-hour lecture today, and mm-hmm. I'm just like, I botched this, I messed that. And <laughs> like, it's so much. So the more practice you get um, mm-hmm. and the more people that know that you have that ability mm-hmm. to teach, I think will open up. So if you're not going to do a residency, which I probably would say go that route if you're going to do mm-hmm. true academia. Um, but if not, you better get real comfortable with when you graduate, that is just the beginning and start volunteering. Mm-hmm. And I think pharmacists overall are long time, mm-hmm. like, or sorry, lifelong learners, I yeah. want to say. Um, but I do think it's just so important to like continue learning, whether that's even just, you know, getting on the free newsletters and getting them to your email or listening to the podcasts from FDA or like there's all sorts of options, but just staying up on what's going on, yeah. I think is really, really important. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So good question. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, how can people get in touch with you if they want to talk to you or reach out to you? So LinkedIn. Yeah, LinkedIn is great. Um, and then apart from that, you can email me. So my email is swathi, so S-W-A-T-H-I at Dr. Swathi. So D-O-C-T-O-R and my first name is S-W-A-T-H-I dot com. So you're welcome to email me or um, just connect with me on LinkedIn. That's I'd awesome. I'd love to connect with students and stuff. It would be so nice. Heck yeah. And pharmacists too, but yeah. Yeah, yeah we'll let them do it. <laughs> and um, so uh, I'll and I'll put the email and stuff in the show notes as mm-hmm. well. Um, and then if I get questions, and you know, I'll shuttle them towards you. Oh, if yes, I, yeah. please do. Yeah, yeah for mm-hmm. sure. So make sure you go uh, follow Swathi on LinkedIn um, if you know what's good for you. <laughs> um, so yes, uh, Swathi, thank you so much. I know you're uh, busy and you know getting on the speaking lecture circuit right now. So I thank you for coming on here. Oh, of um, course. Yeah, thank yeah, you for having I'm me. Super pumped to get to talk to you again. Congrats on everything. Oh, thank Thank you. So thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, if you have any questions, obviously you can email Swathi or myself. Mm-hmm. Um, those will be in the show notes, like I said. Uh, if you know, if you want to reach out on Instagram, Facebook, any of those things, um, you can definitely do that. Um, you know, we have the texting platform now, um, like I've mentioned several times. Mm-hmm. Um, area code four one five nine four three six one one six. Reach out and you can text me directly on that. I'll get back to you on any of those platforms as quick as I can. Um, we've had quite a few of like incoming messages and things like that so mm-hmm. i promise i'm not trying to ignore you I'm, i'll get back to you as quick mm-hmm. as i can but um yeah thank you guys so much for listening and the support uh if you do like the podcast uh, make sure you hit the subscribe button that helps us out um even give us a rating that also helps us out i haven't mentioned that in a few episodes because i'm trying <laughs> not to get uh, redundant mm-hmm. but um if you can hit a rating and offset those uh those haters that give us those bad ratings that would be helpful all two of them yeah <laughs> but um yeah thank you guys so much i will see you next time later